0: Let me open us in a word of prayer and, and we will dive into the text here. Our gracious Father, a few minutes ago we sang, It is well, it is well with my soul. And we certainly can sing that because of Christ. Because we have been, we have been saved from the wrath to come. We have a hope and a future. And the difficulties we face today Are nothing compared to the glory that lies ahead. So we just ask that you would fortify us um, as we look into Psalm 27. Meanwhile, we're grateful for the ministry partnership of Israel and Marissa Contreras, and we ask that you would continue to grant them wisdom and they're raising their sons, Santi and Paulo. We pray for the local church there in Querétaro that the saints may be equipped for the work of ministry under the Contreras' ministry. And we're grateful to hear that they have sent their teammate, Paco, to start a new church in endeavor nearby. But we do ask that you would help, help them to remain steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that their work is not in vain. And now we ask that you would speak your words to us with clarity and truth. May your spirit bring forth a greater devotion to Christ as a result of hearing your word this morning. And we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let me begin by giving a scenario here. Imagine being in a place where the prevailing government demands that you report and turn in a people for their, because of their ethnicity or their beliefs. For some time, there's been some propaganda that these people are a perceived threat. They need to be rounded up and eventually removed. These particular peoples are your fellow citizens, neighbors, classmates, even friends. Failure to report or hide them would result in your imprisonment or worse. What would you do? What would you do? You know, this scenario seems so unthinkable, yet this happened 80-plus years ago throughout Europe and even in our nation as well. You may think, oh, that was then. That was long ago and far away. But actually, this scenario is far more common in our world today. And I often wonder how our brothers and sisters remain devoted during difficult days. You know, I think of our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, in North Korea, in Yemen, in Nigeria, in China, in India. Again, you may be saying, all right, these are places just far away. May I suggest that we are not too far away from this becoming a reality to us. Until the past year or two, we may have not worried about this matter in our country. But difficult days is becoming more of a reality. And as a pastor, I've been concerned, how do we, how do you and I, as followers of Christ, keep our devotion to Christ focused during these difficult days? Three weeks ago, Pastor Milton Vincent reminded us that what we sow today, what we invest in, what we um, prioritize, we will reap a harvest that is either God-honoring or not. Two weeks ago, Pastor John Plesnick warned us not to judge others based on our preferences. We don't want to be known based on preferences, but rather be known as ones who love Christ and not be known based on preferences. Last week, Pastor Nigel exhorted us to focus on God's amazing love towards us while we're yet ungrateful sinners. God loved us still despite our sinfulness, our, in, our ingratitude. And so true worship, you remind us last week, so true worship reflects a heart of gratitude. But even after these timely messages, and they were really timely the last three weeks, I just appreciate each messenger coming in. You know, we can quickly forget as soon as we leave the doors. And our week is filled with distractions. And we become distressed because we turn and listen to the news or events, or maybe something that's happening in your own life, and we can become very discouraged. As I said, I'm concerned. How do we keep our devotion to Christ during these difficult days? And as I was preparing for this morning's message, Psalm 27 came to mind. Psalm 27, and if you can open your Bible to that, section. It's in page 543. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in front of you. Page 543. Psalm 27 is attributed to King David, and it was written 3,000 years ago. And his life was characterized by devotion to the Lord during many difficult days, including personal threats in his life, personal tragedies, personal moral defeats, and personal losses. And Psalm 27 reflects David's heart and lessons we can learn. Remember that the Psalms are really poetic chapters expressing one's worship to the Lord, or Yahweh. The Psalms often was in the form of a song to be sung and read by the congregation, and this one is no exception. So follow as I read Psalm 27. 27 A Psalm of David The Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the stronghold of my life of whom shall I be afraid when evil doers assail me to eat up my flesh my adversaries and my foes it is they who stumble and fall though an army encamp against me my heart shall not fear the war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high For false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You know, the Christian, those of you here who are followers of Christ, we're not assured We're not promised that life will be easy. On the contrary, it's the opposite. I think of Jesus' words, in this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Paul reminds us that for those who are believers, uh, there will be people who will be against you. And Paul even writes, even as he's quoting a psalm, he says, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. However, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. You know, Christians are not immune from danger, from being attacked or assaulted. It's it's a reality, and it's a reality in our world. Beyond sometimes in our nation, we think, "Hey, we're, we're good," but when you look at those who follow Christ, I mentioned about those various nations. There, there's a high cost for following Christ. So my question is: So how are we to live during troubled times? I believe Psalm 27 provides five foundational pillars to encourage our devotion to Christ during these difficult days. Five foundational pillars. And the first one, as we look there in Psalm 27, number one, declare your allegiance to the Lord. The psalmist opens with a declaration in verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Notice that David first looks Godward, and he makes an open declaration. He opens with a priority of speaking truth to himself about God, first and foremost. Why does he do that? Because this is the step for every believer, for every one of you who calls himself a Christian. It is essential. Our starting point is a Godward look. Notice that it's a personal declaration. And this is during times of trouble. Notice that he says, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. There's a personal ownership, a personal intimacy a personal communion with God. Do you have that? Can you say that? That the Lord is my light, my salvation. He's the stronghold of my life. Do you cry out that way? Do you look to him that way? You know, we do this every Sunday. We do this corporately as well. That is why it is the first day of the week that we come with a corporate worship. We come to sing, to pray, to listen to God's word, but to worship and to recall and affirm our allegiance to Christ. We declare corporately and publicly our allegiance. And when we rejoice, you know, when we rejoice together, what does it do to our own soul? It helps just to dissipate some of those worries and cares. You know, when we turn our eyes to Jesus and look full at his wonderful face, That the things of earth will grow strangely dim, right? In the light of his glorious grace. You know, David's declarations really speaks of God's character in three ways. He is light. He brings forth life and truth to bear. He is my salvation. He is the Savior. Only Christ can be that Savior. And third, he's He's a protector. He's a stronghold. He's my defense. He's the one who will defend me during times of trouble. You know, when when the scripture speaks of light, it is generally associated with life. Since all people are in darkness, you know, salvation finds us in the darkness. You realize that? Salvation found us in darkness. Jesus says that, This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. That doesn't only speak of the commentary of our world. That speaks of you and I. We were in darkness. We were doing things evil. But God brought forth light to our lives. He revealed himself. And he shone that light to our hearts that we responded in gratitude and faith. You know, during these difficult days in our world, we're living in a troubled world where evil is called good, and good is evil. And my question to you is, what are you doing to declare your allegiance to Christ and that his word is true, that there is a right and that there is a wrong, that there is sin, And there are consequences to sin. Will you be the one to provide hope and declare your allegiance? I think of Isaiah's words. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. I hope that's the testimony you can say that I was walking in darkness, but I've seen a great light. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ who brought forth light in my life. Will you be intentional? And I think of you, and I see a lot of young families, young people. Will you be intentional to help your children or your grandchildren, your friends, or your co-workers, or your fellow student to understand that even when life is filled with pain, pain, and suffering. The Lord is the stronghold. He's my strong defender of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Will you be that one who makes that open declaration, that allegiance? Why? Because I ask that question to you. Why? Because God has brought forth good news to us. He delivered us from the domain of darkness, right? And he transferred us to the kingdom of his Beloved son, and my exhortation to you is will you give that open allegiance, declare that? But perhaps another question is how will you instill that confidence and trust upon God, who is my light and salvation, to pursue Christ when when, not if, when you are tested, how many of you here have faced testings, have trials? Who face opposition, and you go, man, uh, it's hard to to make that declaration. Uh, um, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to speak up. Yes, I grew up here at Foothill Bible Church, but I don't know how to make that open declaration. Will your family member or friend know that God, whom we seek to corporately worship here, is the one who is not only a friend of sinners, but He has come. He has come to comfort the ones who are suffering, will you declare your allegiance? And so, during this time of devotion, will you declare your, that? I think of a one of my heroes of the faith is Johnny Erickson Tata. She is one many of you know um, because she is a, a very popular writer and speaker who's quadriplegic, has gone through a lot of trials and difficult days and now has undergone a lot of cancer as well. But she wrote in her book, When God Weeps, there I have a quote. God, like a father, doesn't just give advice. He gives himself. He becomes the husband to the grieving widow. He becomes the comforter to the barren woman. He becomes the father of the orphan. He becomes a bridegroom to the single person. He's the healer of the sick. He is the wonderful counselor to the confused and depressed. That's the God we worship. Will you openly declare your allegiance during these difficult days that the Lord is my light and my salvation? Whom shall I fear? So, first is declare your allegiance. Second is detect dangers that seek to undermine your devotion to the Lord. Notice there... That uh, David is very aware of the reality of his circumstances. How do I know that? Because 10 times he cites, in this short chapter, he cites dangers. He he says in verse 2, When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, he calls them my adversaries and foes. In verse 3 he says, An army encamps against me. He says, A war arises against me. Sarah, in verse 5, that this day of trouble. He says in verse 6, my enemies are all around me. He even says, verse 10, that my father and mother have forsaken me. He notes in verse 12, my adversaries. He says that in also in verse 12, that false witnesses have risen against me. They breathe out violence. See, you and I are not immune to dangers. But, you know, dangers undermine our devotion and trust because it tempts us. It tempts us to doubt God's sovereign care. You start wondering, does God really care? Does God really love me? It tempts us to believe a a falsehood that we've been deserted by God. He's abandoned us. Why am I going through this difficulty? Why do I have this coworker, or my boss, or my fellow student, who, my teacher, or my parent, or my... You name the list. And you're, all of you can relate that there have been difficulties. And we ask, and we start doubting. And it, it causes us to even become discouraged and depressed. And then I think of the devil. And he's relentless to cast doubt. Yeah, you're no good. You, you know, you're not worth it. You're a sinner. you have just blown it again. And, but those dangers are, are real. Can you identify those dangers? Do you, do you even take the time to identify them? Even those closest to us can... Be dangerous. I mean, they. they, David's noting even just his father and mother, and and he's speaking about those even intimately with you, family members. My concern is that you know a failure to detect dangers personally is indicative of a man or a woman not understanding the seriousness of sin and the consequences, not understanding that. There is an opposer to you. There's Satan. And there is this world that opposes anything of Christ. And you must, may I exhort you, you must recognize that being a follower of Christ will result in persecution. It will result in times of trials and testings. Paul reminds us that those who desire to live godly lives will be persecuted. Friends, I share this concern for you during these difficult days that lie ahead and lie before us because many have grown up in this church and they're not ready. They're not ready to face the battles ahead. And my encouragement is: we must, we must fortify ourselves with truth of the character of God. Since the next generation, and I especially concern for you, you younger, the next I say the next generation that that you are being assaulted big time in different ways. And my heart goes out for you, both as a pastor, as a father, as a, a grandpa. I go, wow, it is t- difficult. But you know, David here recognizes that you, when you recognize and detect these dangers, I appreciate a a, a pastor who went through a lot of trials. His name is Randy Alcorn, and he's written a number of books that I highly recommend. He faced many difficulties, including when he chose to speak out against abortion. This is many years ago, and he paid a price, a very heavy price for that. But he wrote in his book, If God is Good, he says, in light of the great number of young people who reject their faith as college students or young adults, we need to ask ourselves two questions. One, what are we doing to help nominally Christian young people come to a true faith in Christ? What are we doing? Are we being intentional to speak to them? And second... What are we doing to help youthful, genuine Christians go deeper in exploring Scripture, learning sound theology, and developing a truly Christian worldview, not a superficial one? I hope, and I appreciate the leaders in Crossroads and 128 here, and endorsement to those the upcoming retreats, because there's an investment, a desire to train in sound theology and in the Word of God, because... The next generation is, is hit hard. We must detect the dangers that undermine a devotion to Christ. And so the psalmist here is saying, you not only need to declare your allegiance, you need to detect the dangers, but the third pillar you need to establish is you need to decide on your priorities right now. Right now. Verse 4 says, One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Notice, as David recognizes the many dangers and threats upon his life, he decides that his priority is to devote himself to the Lord. And he says, I'm going to do that. One thing I've asked of the Lord, I will see. He seeks God first. And David is asking and seeking God. Why? For perspective. Since God controls the days of his life, and there is a the singular devotion in contrast to, to contrasting to distracting fears, and those d- distractions come to us every day, every day. Where all of us can relate to that. We're just distracted in our vo- devotion, and you need to decide where your priorities are. Will you choose to, to seek God? And to second, to dwell in a place of worship in order to keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. That's why we come together. We need those reminders every week to be encouraged, to devote ourselves this way, to see God, to dwell in a place of worship. To be, you know, um, the translation is to there to gaze upon, but another translation is to behold. There's this idea that you just Take the time to be preoccupied with God and His purposes. Many of you I ask, why do you go to church? Oftentimes people go because they want to see others, other friends, other people. That's not a bad idea. But may I encourage you to decide your priorities that I come because I need, I need the Lord. I need to come to him. I need to be with fellow saints to be encouraged, to keep devoted because we are in difficult days. David decided early on his priorities and it was very clear. We need to be reminded that boldness of faith is not being naive, okay? Faith keeps a realistic view. And David decided early on to move towards God rather than away. I think Seth would remind us that, I mean, it, it's a time that we need to turn to God while while we still have life. What do you do when you perceive dangers? Do you go cry out to the Lord? Notice David's perspective on his difficulties changed as a result of worship. As he goes in verse four, seeking God. Verse five says. He sees his perspective changes. He says, For God will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. You know, as David is able to see God's perspective and intervention, the result is worship for him. And you see that in verse 6. He says, that now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. I trust that when you come here, I made mention about learning these songs, these hymns. I'm a big advocate of, a, of having a hymnal. If I was placed in prison, two books I would have, a Bible and a hymnal, if they would grant me that. Because... The Bible to, again, to dwell with God's word, to, to meditate, but a hymnal is a, a form and expression of a, expressing worship in a, in a, in a poetic way, and, and I'm a big advocate of that way because they steady people's soul. I think of saints of old who were faced with many difficulties, even being killed. And I, um, a book I, I've, heard, I've mentioned many times before, John Fox Book of Martyrs, when you read about the saints of old who suffered under great difficulties, I remember as an early believer, just reading that book and go, ah, no way. No way can I live for Christ that way or follow Christ if I'm going to be tortured or being put in prison. But one of the themes of of the saints of old was that they they would sing. And I exhort you that when you dwell in God's house, when you look and seek him you will find yourself like verse 6 says that you will sing um, songs of joy. But that doesn't come from a vacuum. You need to decide now on your priorities. Okay, It doesn't come out of a vacuum. You need to train your hearts this way. If you're not doing it now, may I exhort you to decide now on your priorities. Fourth, Develop a relationship with the Lord. And we find there in verse 7, he says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. He says in verse 9, Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not. What is David trying to do? Here's a man who's developed a a dependent relationship with the Lord. And he's crying out to God. In such a way that he recognizes that I need God to intervene, to care, to listen. Thirteen times he mentions the Lord. His confidence is upon the Lord. And he cries out to him. I think of David's words in Psalm 62 where he says, Trust in him. Trust in the Lord at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Do you do that when you find yourself enduring difficult times? Have you developed a dependent relationship where you constantly are crying out, God, help me, I don't understand life. I don't understand these difficult days. I don't understand our leaders. You get discouraged. You may even feel despondent, like, man, there goes our, you know, our nation, our state, or our municipality. But you bring it before the Lord. Notice that David developed this dependent relationship, and he doesn't ask to remove these enemies, but he's asking hes asking how to live victoriously in the midst of difficult people, in circumstances. He says there in verse 11 and 12, teach me, he's pleading before God and saying, Teach me your way, O oh Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. He doesn't ask them to remove them. He says, help me to live victoriously in this. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. That was our difficult days. We ha- we're not there yet. We may get there. Not that I wanna, want that. I'm not seeking, you know, I- I'm not trying to be a prophet of doom. I'm just recognizing that, We are facing difficult days. And if you haven't, you know, said, nah, that's not, are you just being so looking at everything half empty? Can we all accept that our world has changed so fast in over, in less than a year, less than two years for sure. And uh, we need to remember that life is full of difficulties. And it's not a case of if, it's when. So will you develop a dependent relationship with the Lord. Fifth, determined to wait upon the Lord's timing and purposes. You find there in verse 13 to 14, David closes with a sense of hope and victory, and he speaks forth truth that leads to his determination to wait upon God's timing. I like the New American Standard version. In verse 13, it says, I would have have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the li- living. You know, David's focus is on the goodness of the Lord. Why? Why? Because David recognizes that his life has been filled it's been filled with God's goodness and he has been the recipient of God's mercy. You know that. You know David's life. It wasn't he wasn't the greatest you know, a man, by far. But David could say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why can't he say that? Because he, was, he already made that declaration of his allegiance. He, he detected dangers, and, and then he decided on his priorities, and then he, he developed a dependent relationship and he determined here that he was gonna wait. He was gonna wait upon the Lord and his timing. One of the most difficult challenges for all of us who are followers of Christ is, is waiting. Is it not? I mean, it just, oh Lord, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. But you know, waiting is is really it's placing one's trust and hope upon God's sovereign care and timing. That he knows what's best. And that is why you must determine whom you will trust with all your heart. Will you trust the Lord with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding? When we don't, that's called rebellion. That's called sin. When we lean on our own understanding, that's saying, I don't need to trust you, God. I, I got it on my own. I'll take care of it. Notice that the psalmist's determination is the belief that God is good. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And David then closes with this exhortation that he will wait. And he says, Be strong and let your heart take courage. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. That reminds you of another place in the scriptures about being strong and courageous. You know, think of Joshua. Joshua. Before going into the promised land, he was exhorted to be strong and courageous. You know, when as Psalm 27 comes to a close, notice that to wait for the Lord requires just not only an, on a sovereign God, but it, there's a sense of tension you work through, of enduring, just enduring the present affliction that. It, You're going through a difficult time. It's real. But there's a recognition that I'm going to be delivered out of this trouble, these dangerous times. I love this quote from a spiritual mentor of mine um, by way of his writings. Uh, J.C. Rao was a pastor in, in the late 1800s in England. He once wrote, quote, There's nothing which shows our ignorance so much as our impatience under trouble. We forget that every cross is a message from God and intended to do us good in the end. Trials are intended to make us think, to wean us from the world, to send us to the Bible, to drive us to our knees. Health is a good thing, but sickness, get this, but sickness is far better if it leads us to God prosperity is a great mercy but adversity is a greater one if it brings us to Christ. Anything, anything is better than living in carelessness and dying in sin. Wow! You know, you look around and you find people who don't know Christ who love Christ who care anything and they seem to have it all good. It's going well. And you're as you seek to follow Christ, you're finding, man, this is, life stinks. I'm going through some difficulties. Why? Why, Lord? But you know, it is an occasion for God to draw us near, to cry out to Him. And so, on your handout, I list just a number of questions to think about and ask yourself, what, how are you building those foundational pillars in your life? You know, and attending church is a, a good start and is a good means. But I want to encourage you all the more to, to draw near to him while he may be found. You know, I, I want to close with an illustration, actually two. I, I opened with the, this morning with a question. What would you do if the local governing authorities required you to turn in a, a people for their ethnicity or beliefs? Let me share two responses one that occurred in France and one in this country. Just over 80 years ago, one pastor in a small French village led his, led his congregation and many in the community to rescue over 2,500 individuals, mostly children, from certain death. What compelled this pastor? One historian who wrote the account of this pastor in this church small village in south-central France. He writes, quote, The love they preached was not simply adoration, nor was it simply a love of moral purity, of keeping one's hands clean of moral evil. It was not love of private ecstasy or a private retreat from evil. It was an active, dangerous love that brought help to those who needed it most? Are we known for that kind of devotion? That our devotion to Christ would compel us to make a difference in, in other people's lives? During World War II, the same period of time, but this time in our nation, I may have shared this before, but I'll share it again. Fellow American citizens of Japanese ancestry were rounded up and placed in internment camps because of their ethnicity. The Lord used three devoted single ladies who desired to be missionaries to the Japanese people. Since they could not go to Japan, they voluntarily moved nearby the internment camps and brought forth the gospel. I had the privilege of knowing two of these saints, and they left a big impression on my life because their difficult days revealed their devotion to Christ, and it moved them towards people, not moved away. It moved them to the very people who needed to be rescued from their sin. Will we be that kind of people who are devoted to Christ during dangerous times when we would move forward towards Christ and to ones who need Christ with a dangerous love in order to help those who need it the most? May the Lord help us. May the Lord help us to remain devoted that way because difficult days will come. Guarantee it. And will your devotion reveal that not only you love Christ, but you desire to make Christ known because others around you don't know and their difficult days will come as well. Will you be that one to declare your allegiance? God, help us. Let me close in prayer. Dear merciful and mighty God, we confess that our devotion to you is often tested and we need your intervention in our lives. Help us in applying these five foundational principles from Psalm 27. Help to that our devotion to Christ would reflect. I just think of Peter's words, the Apostle Peter who says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Oh, Lord, we ask that you would grant us that kind of devotion. Help us, Lord, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.